there's a great God in heaven, great God in heaven, there's a great God in heaven, and nobody can deny. Well, he got the book of judgment, hell and death are in his hand. He knows the name Moses finally took him to heaven's land. There's a great God in heaven, great God in heaven. There's a great God in heaven, and nobody can deny it. Darkness to Light, hosted by Alan and M. Middleton. We aim to explore what takes place at the corner of theology and geekology. Episode 17, Audio Feed, 2018. Welcome to episode 17 of Darkness to Light. This is our show where we take a look at pop culture in terms of where those stories intersect with concepts in religion, faith, theology, spirituality. And this episode, it's another summer road trip. But this one, we went a, a little bit closer to home. We did not we cross did, we didn't any go to international Germany. borders. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of Luther 500, it was Audio Feed 6. So, you know, sort of the same, still really important to us. (laughs) So we are going to talk about the Audio Feed Music and Arts Festival. And in the six years that this festival has existed, we've gone three times. In fact, that's our rhythm to go uh, every other year, every uh, even numbered year. And before we talk about Audio Feed, we do need to talk briefly about its predecessor, the Cornerstone Festival. The two cannot be pulled apart. The first, Cornerstone, took place in 1984 and from the beginning was out of the mainstream of typical evangelical culture. At some point in this podcast, we're also going to talk about Cornerstone magazine. I mean, not this episode but in Darkness to Light. Yeah, it's it might become a point of conversation since it was really important in broadening your mm-hmm. horizons and influencing your worldview as a young person of faith. And as evangelical culture grew, the number and size of Christian music festivals grew as well. And we went to some of them over the years. Oh, yeah. Things called Fishnet. Now, or that Cre- one I don't remember. I was up in Washington. I think it was before you were a thing. Oh, when you could actually like travel instead of being <laughs> chained to your locale uh, by a three to fourteen year old progeny. Yeah. Creation and then Alive, the one here in Ohio. And they were all okay in their own ways. Mm-hmm. I think over time, especially looking back, we can see that they had become quite corporatized and homogenized. Yeah, it there was a, a very specific theological branch and Mm -hmm. also a literal shared musical branch in that most individual festivals are sponsored by a label 
Mm-hmm. So it's not even like you were getting or, two or, or the, three Christian labels. It was the local Christian radio station or which the local was impacted Christian by those label. Lit, yes. it, it was it was a pretty similar music that was uh, that was available, except for Lost and Found, greatest MCs. See, of they all weren't time. really even on the stage though. They were just the local musical MCs. But that's why we can't we can't dismiss and discount. The sort of standard, quote-unquote, evangelical fests, because that is eventually what got us to Germany last year. Yeah. I mean, it's a long path, but it is direct. Yes. (laughs) Step to step to step to step to Germany. (laughs) But not Cornerstone. Cornerstone was always different, mostly because its roots were not in the Christian music industry or the Christian radio biz or the bookstores or that, that whole world. But it had its roots way back in the Jesus movement of the early 70s and hippies and communes, sort of that whole scene. And then later folded into it, punks, and then eventually goths and emos. So you might refer to the people that generally uh, created, influenced, and then attended Cornerstone as weirdos. So, yeah, it was always an outlier. It was just different from every other festival that you might put in this same category of Christian Music Fest, mm-hmm. which, which is a thing. So I finally got to Cornerstone in 2007, which I admit was way too long a wait. You had the Cornerstone 93 t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, I know how it happened, but looking back, that is a, a, a great regret of mine that it took me so long and I felt like I had to go check it out. And then you proceeded to live tweet it before you had a Twitter and you were just blowing up me and mom's teeny tiny 2007 flip phones with, Hey, this is awesome. This is awesome. Hey, this is great. Here, have a tiny 1.2 megapixel uh, (laughs) shot of Harry Gore busking. Hey, Glenn Kaiser's here. Did you know Glenn Kaiser was here? Of course Glenn Kaiser's here. Glenn Kaiser's been there. Where have you been? So then it took a couple more years for all three of us Middletons to go in 2010. And both of those were great experiences. And I was very saddened to learn in early 2012 that that year, 2012, would be the last one. There was, you know, economic slowdown was continuing and the, the finances at the parent organization were such that they just had to sell that property and, and shut down the festival. And they were going to give it, you know, one more go, sort of the, the going away party. And my reaction was to be bummed out, to only get, get you know, all three of us to go to one, uh, in addition to one on my own. But your reaction well, uh, was yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, I, I found out about that, and I was like, oh, Dad, that's so sad. We're going, right? Like, you've already bought our tickets, right? So, like, it was a question, but not unlike Germany, it was like, Dad, you do realize I am 21 and legally able to rent my own hotel room, so you can come with me, but either way, I'm going to Illinois. And probably going to take Mom with you. So, yes, we all went, made the last pilgrimage. Pilgrimage, definitely what it felt like. We had this a little bit in 2007, uh, of you getting to go and experience the cornerstone atmosphere mm-hmm. and organism. And then in 2010, when we all went, it was 
it was good. But even by that point, it had become a little bit corporatized. Mm-hmm. David Crowder band, Switchfoot, Switch big name, real, legit, professional, touring, radio play bands were headlining. So it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And there were, not to be snooty, some normies that attended mm-hmm. the 2010 Cornerstone and just made it a little bit different didn't, than what you had experienced didn't quite in, fit in 2007. Didn't quite fit in. Yeah. 2012, was so because st- there wasn't the money, really. It was pretty stripped down. It was pretty stripped down, and everybody that we talked to, we got a chance to actually talk to Glenn Kaiser mm-hmm. and sort of commune, and we've got a really good picture, which mm-hmm. we should try and mm-hmm. dig up of you and Glenn Kaiser yep. in 2012. Uh, we sort of talked like, it's really sad that it's ending, but his feeling and a lot of the old-timers' feeling was... I mean, this is what it always was. You know, at least we were getting to experience a core, quintessential cornerstone experience. And it did end with an actual Viking funeral, which we may have mentioned that that is what this image is. But our our banner image on the Tumblr and on our website and uh, the Twitter is actually the wreckage of the Viking longship that was burned at the final cornerstone on the Saturday night and the following Sunday morning, they went out to check on it just as the sun was rising and it was just this beautiful, sacred moment. And All that was left was the crossbars of that was of one of the masts. All burned up, just outlined perfectly. The shape of the cross, it was pretty amazing. It's enigmatic and beautiful and very representative of that whole experience. And so even though that fest was gone, many of the attendees wanted to maintain that family uh, feel of the Cornerstone Fest. And Audio Feed was born the next year in 2013. And we did not go that first year. It was sort of, let's just give them a chance to shake out some things. It was also a, it was kind of a semi-official. Like a store does a soft launch. Mm -hmm. I think they just tried it out just to see... Who would come and, and, and didn't do a lot of promotion. And, and we learned this year mm-hmm. that the way that the organizer of the Audio Feed organizer became the organizer of the festival is because he, he booked acts for one of the stages at Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And when someone hit him up and asked, would you like to basically email some people and see if some performers would be interested, sent out a chain letter and got back. 35 responses that said, yes, absolutely, please. when can you book me and for what stage? <laughs> yeah. Which yep. is, again, a quintessentially cornerstone thing to happen. It was quite DIY in that sense. And, and that was part of the vibe, part of the feel that they were able to uh, recreate to some extent. And, and a lot of the performers, a lot of the attendees have maintained, and, and so they've captured... A, a bit of that original uniqueness, although now six years in, I think it is really starting to get its own identity as well. Yeah, and it really does feel like a sequel. This is Son of Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. You, you can see the family resemblance between the two <laughs> festivals, but they are they are unique yeah. experiences. Now, one of the things the three of us did, you, me, and Mom, beforehand, during, and after, is refer to Audio Feed as Cornerstone. On many occasions. Yeah, yeah. Not quite half the time, but a good uh, 30% of the time. Yeah. We slipped and called it the old name. So I'm just saying we'll probably do that more than once in this episode. We are talking about the successor. We're talking about the audio feed 
uh, festival. But there is that, obviously, there's that sense of the one flowing naturally uh, into, or you could say to flowing out of, uh, out of the other one. So we're going to go through, basically chronologically, we're going to start with sort of the soft launch day mm-hmm. on July 4th. Wednesday uh, night. On Wednesday night, and take our way all the way through to us mm-hmm. coming home. And there will be... be some, some thematics there, and some things... It was a thing that we noticed at the previous audio feed, that mm-hmm. there was a, a real through line, largely through the lecture series, uh, which then, partially zeitgeist and partially because mm-hmm. we were looking for it, kept showing up in the acts that one of our favorite artists, Tambor, released a concept album <laughs> based around a George MacDonald fairy tale, which was also one of the featured pieces of literature for discussion mm-hmm. in the lecture series. So there, there were and, and, fairy tale at, references. At throughout. least one other band, maybe two or three, talked about the fairy tale influences that was in their music or their view towards art or et, et cetera. And so you had that. You said that was the in the 2016 sort of this fairy tale theme running throughout it. And here in 2018, the theme was more Lewis v. Tolkien. Yeah, uh, yep, yep. Dawn of Allegory. It's not a metaphor. <laughs> I'm I'm going to hit on the the theme of diversity mm-hmm. uh, in in the the many ways that 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 kept coming back to me. So, like you said, the main fest this year ran Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, fifth, sixth, and seventh of July, with the early arrival mm-hmm. option for Wednesday. At any one time, there are about six active stages going on at audio feed and uh, for that extra day for the 4th of July uh, the main stage uh, ran in the evening four or five acts played and the goth tent uh, was open the asylum we're going to talk a lot about the goth tent because considering that none of the three of us are in fact goths we spent a lot of time there no surprise they do tend to book the most intense speakers Mm mm-hmm the most out there yes. people of any definition of that phrase. But what was the the slogan at the goth tent? Was it Jesus loves all his sheep? And then parentheses, even, even the, the goth, goth ones. ones. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, definitely worth going early. And what was happening there at the goth tent on that Wednesday was the very goth holiday party. In the past, they had done christmas in july as their sort of pre-show gathering party and this year it just so happened to fall on the fourth of july and they also had a jewish group that was speaking Mm -hmm. there and thus did a hanukkah Mm -hmm. set so it was a very holiday Holiday. (laughs) special so one of the nice things about audio feed versus cornerstone for us being on the eastern side of illinois it's about three and a half hours closer, four hours closer. And, man, and the joke is what, that last hour take? Seven and a half years, approximately. <laughs> uh, we might still be driving back from Cornerstone 2012. 2012. Like, I might have never left that field. All those windmills and all that all corn. All that corn. Corn. And windmills. Corn, windmill, corn. There aren't even any cows in Illinois. At least not off I-74, they're not, that's for sure. So the nice thing is we were able to leave on Wednesday, get there at a decent hour, 
matter of fact, with the time change, yeah, we we might we actually were able to sleep in a little bit longer than we expected, and, and it was it was still a close call as to whether or not we were going to show up before check-in time <laughs> at, the, at, at the hotel. Because full disclosure, we do not count. We do, in fact, glam. Christian festivals in general, like a lot of music festivals, are camping affairs. Uh, for us, camping is the comfort suites about a mile and a half from the venue. Yeah. I mean, it was really comfortable. So like, It was comfort. It was sweet. So they lived up to the name. And we still got some of that hashtag audio feed experience. I literally just now <laughs> almost said hashtag cornerstone feels. I know. I know. I know. So on Wednesday, like I said, the main stage was going, and there was one act there that I wanted to see, a, a singer-songwriter named Michaela Powers. And what I liked about her is that the singer-songwriters are often acoustic one-person acts but she was backed up with a full band. So you had that sort of singer-songwriter vibe and sort of confessional type of songs, but with a full pop rock band behind her. So I thought that was kind of a cool start. And actually, we started with a band called Ghoul Jr., who we just you know caught the end of. Yeah, but... Not bad at all. Yeah, Three-piece standard rock band. Very, very much enjoyed what we heard. And that was, I think, the great thing, especially about Wednesday and Saturday, mm-hmm. was... To, in, in a sense, that they were the no-names. Right. And yeah, those be, were the days we did not have a lot of must-dos. And the even even the main two days mm-hmm. are not going to be hugely well-known headliners. Yeah. Right. Um, but a lot of people were literally just locals. We'll just be here for the day and sell some merch. But as a result, we did have a lot of freedom that we could just be like, yeah. I don't really know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wander around. and oh, Stage to stage. That or... sounds cool. I'm going to park myself here for 15 minutes while they finish this half hour set. And then I'm going to go get a corn dog. And oh, that sounds interesting. I'm going <laughs> to wander over there. I wonder what, what is this? And, oh, that's hmm, not really for me. But oh, I heard something over there. You did try to do some research beforehand. Yep. And look up some of the people that we didn't know. Listen to them. If we liked them, get a couple of songs. Support Part the of that bands was, yes, on the, support on the, the band. And then uh, listen to them on the way over yeah, and sort of, playlist going, sort of think, sort like, of... okay, do we want to go see them live? Mm-hmm. You know, how much do we like them? Do we want to grab a sampler? Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. But we got to be surprised by a lot yes. of really good groups that we had no idea were going to be there, what their thing was. Existed. Even existed. And we're sort of plugged in. I mean, we've gone to an, enough of these and... Between the, the followings on Facebook and just sort of general how, how we act and who we follow and all that. We are sort of plugged in Ish. to the alternative Christian music scene a little bit. Yeah. But even that, there were some things that were quite unexpected. Uh, but we did start at the goth tent, the asylum. We started off with a speaker named Nancy Jo Mann. And that name me- means nothing to anyone except to me And when I explained it. To you and mom. Yeah. Because this is the former lead singer of one of the best Christian metal rock bands. metal bands of the of the uh, late 70s and in, into the 80s, Barnabas. And I just knew her story of one with a lot of tragedy in it. Mm-hmm. And health issues and mental health issues and injuries and this, that, and the other. So the fact that she was speaking was just a shock. It was a, that was a knock-me-over-with-a-feather sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, 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 and she was good, but that, that was just a really a real surprise. Yeah, and she has not even really appeared publicly in 
years. A long, long so time. So just seeing her name, probably for you thinking, I'm pretty sure I know that name. Wait, Wait a minute. That's not. That Hang can't on. Be. There's no way. It is? That was shocking for a lot of reasons and fascinating and so moving. That was a fun start. And then we got to a couple of the Christmas bands. Mm-hmm. The Uh-Ohs. This was delightful. They spent the entire weekend dressed as elves playing like pop punk, pop yeah. rock. Like, I don't even know quite what it was, but it was delightful. And uh, this particular set was, of course, their Christmas set. Yes. And start the counter. They had a comic book. And we bought it. Yes. It was the elf. The elf Franken zombie who yeah. stole and saved, stole and saved, saved then Santa? saved Christmas. Saved yes. Something something like that. A lot of these acts. There's just a lightness. There's a funness. A sense of joy. And that's uh, uh, that was just an example of it. Then we got to. One of our favorite people. One of the first concerts you ever went to. Mm-hmm. When you were two or three in Richmond, Virginia, we saw Harry Gore, formerly of the band you've never heard of, The Good Guys, because I don't think Bob Fisher listens to this show. But if he does, Hello, shout Bob out Fisher. to Bob. The only other person who may own a Good Guys cassette. <laughs> So Harry played uh, Christmas songs, a lot of covers of Christmas songs by mainstream acts, fun things. Yeah, and, sort of like fun, self-referential sort of Christmas songs. Not so much like the Christmas canon. Yeah, right. Um, although he did play Mom's absolute favorite Christmas song, Snoopy and the Red Baron, and she almost burst into tears and definitely did throw both of her hands up in the air and go, Yes! So, our festivals all got off to a pretty good start for all of us. It was a weird feeling at the end of day zero. Not unlike, actually, when we were at Heroes Con in Charlotte. Exactly. The, the, where day zero was over, we were like, we're pretty good, actually. We've pretty much done everything we needed to do. We've actually, this has been pretty great. What else have you got, festival? Now, there was one video that you took, because as we said, this was the 4th of July. So, you have a confluence... You have Harry playing Jingle Bells with fireworks going off in the distance. Yeah, right outside of the tent. It, it didn't come through very well on the video, but from where we were sitting, we could see the edge of the fairground, the tree line, and then right above the tree line, yep. before the top of the tent, there was a little band of sky that was just full of fireworks. Uh, and that was a transcendent experience right there. And then uh, that was the last thing we did, sort of as we walked out, we listened to the, the main stage for a couple of songs, a band called Sick C. It's like seasick, but the word's reversed. Mm-hmm. Sick C. Play, play a few songs again, sort of lady-led pop rock. A lot of female lead singers. Yes. In, in, in bands, and a lot of, lot of lady bass players mm-hmm. as well. It's another trend to watch. So then we came back for the real, the real first day. And the first thing that I wanted to do was a little bit after lunch. So we sort of just slowly woke up in the morning and slowly got dressed. But we got out there with, with plenty of time. So we saw a couple of the bands uh, on the main stage. Before the main thing I wanted to get to, which was a band called the Pretty Bads, over in the family area was an Irish folk band playing. We've already mentioned the goth tent, the main rock stage, the, the generator sort of corner next yeah, to the food court where you can just plug, plug in, and, in and play. The Irish folk. So many different types of music 
are represented um, at a fest like this. Again, that makes it stand out. Certainly makes it stand out from other Christian fests. I think certainly, to some extent, stands out from a lot of other music fests as well that have such a, such a diverse types of music. So I did want to mention one of my pre-festival discovery bands, and that was the Pretty Bads. And they sort of play a softcore pop punk. Think a more frenetic Ramones covered in, like, (laughs) glittery hot pink. That is a reference that they do not deny. And we were able to talk to them later in the day. I'm Kayla Pretty Bad. Um, my husband, um, drummer, he's not here. He's Jordan Pretty Bad, and we make up the Pretty Bads. Sometimes we have a keyboardist, Ben Bravo, with us and other members of the band. But uh, me and Jordan, we've been playing this for uh, for quite a few years now. And how would you describe the music? I went with pink punk. Pink punk is actually brilliant. I really like pink punk. Because we are, we are pop punk, but we're, we have the sci-fi horror punk elements in there a lot. We're, we're a little bit eclectic punk. We have a big Ramones influence. People, you know. We heard that in the roller, roller skating. Yes. So we caught that. Absolutely. We caught that. Yep. In addition to the logo, obviously, yep. as well. People have uh, called us, said we sound like the misfits with a girl singer. So, you know, um, we'll, we like them all. But we kind of pop punk, weird horror stuff, and just made them kind of our original sound. And what we like to do. <laughs> I bought some of the songs on iTunes, yeah. so there is an album. It is a good punk album that's got like 18 or 20 songs on it, it which is good. Yes, Jordan, he wanted it all 20 songs to be on there. He's like, if people are buying a CD, they might as well get 20 songs on there. Um, and these are, like I said, they're songs we've been writing for years and years, like 10, 11 years old, some of them. It's called Meet the Pretty Bad, kind of a toss back to uh, Meet the Supremes because we love the the old, the old uh, rock and roll and stuff too. I did sense a 50s, 60s yep. vibe and since some of the songs yep, as well. we love girl groups. Right. Um, so we've got some of that. You can find it on, I think, all of the streaming things. Um, it's on Spotify. You can get it on iTunes. Um, and then there's more that I don't even know about, but I think it's on there. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, also we have a Bandcamp um, and, and Facebook and Instagram, uh, the Pretty Bads. Um, and you can buy buy stuff directly off our Bandcamp too. Um, and how was the show here at Audio Feed? Oh, we've had a blast. I think um, me and Jordan. Anytime we play, uh, we we especially have a really good time when we get when we play just the two of us. Sometimes it's it, we we lo- just enjoy it. <laughs> we have fun. So um, yeah, you can definitely feel it. It is it is fun to listen to and fun to watch. <laughs> good, yes. I, I'm, that's good to hear. And I'm glad I'm glad other people are having fun with us. <laughs> Delightful. Delightful to talk to you. I'm so glad we got to talk to Kayla. We saw Jordan pretty bad later and got some pictures. But just, ah, what, like, what a fun concept. What nice people. I mean, this is no surprise. It's audio feed. After the pretty bads, before we headed to our next definitive had to get to section, we stuck around for something called the Gaffer Project, which was, again, was one of these, never heard of them, don't know anything about them, have no idea four or five people wander up onto the stage and you sort of have have to take a moment and sort of orient your brain and prepare your ears to be like okay what what sound is going to come out of these amps because you really don't have any way of knowing especially on the main stage it was super eclectic and we said you have to be willing to take chances and you have to be willing to uh be surprised 
And it was it was a really odd and very cool listening experience because this very soft-spoken gentleman stepped up to the mic and started introducing his band and their song a little bit. And then it started off kind of quiet, ramped up into a little bit of a screamo song, took a break for a spoken word section in the middle, went back to the screamo, and then ended on another quiet note. And just that trajectory was so interesting and unique. Uh, a lot of the works there, again, this is sort of the, the compliment to our singer-songwriter with full band. Mm-hmm mixing of genres and expectations because again very sort of expressive and confessional about struggling with faith and with personal convictions but also blending all these different musical styles all together so you never quite knew what you were expecting it sort of kept you on edge boy that i quite enjoyed definitely was glad that it was outside there were some people who were a little bit discomforted by the fact that the main stage was no longer under a tent but I think some acts definitely benefited mm-hmm. from that, of being mm-hmm. able to experience it out in the open air. There was a downside to this. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, and this was the one day that we had weather concerns. There was some afternoon thunder and lightning uh, coming in. And it had been 90. It was pretty darn hot degrees, for those couple days. Almost 100% humidity. So we headed off to the one indoor stage, the one permanent structure uh, at the fairgrounds. Which, again... Not to say that in all ways, audio feed is superior to its predecessor. There are some things Cornerstone did way better. But having a thick structure and a plumbed bathroom. These were all definite check marks in the audio feed column. We're just, you know, setting up shop inside and we heard, what would you call infinite third? Instrumental? It wasn't quite dance music. Uh, at atmospherica i would I say know. atmospheric house so if you know what house music mm-hmm. is think that but with a sort of symphonic metal aesthetic and all you but could... most of it's like most of it's sung but, it, so there was there but was all you could see was really the top of the guy's head because he was sitting down at his keyboard i don't know maybe his laptop putting these these musics these these sounds together yeah, and it was live mix, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of it was not actually sound sampled, but tone sampled. So it was actually okay. him singing, mm, and then okay. that was modulated in at various different tones. It was really weird, but very interesting. And this actually was, I, I want to go and find more of this music, because I think I would really like mm-hmm. listening to it on headphones. Mm, but right. actually inside... <laughs> It was it was a little bit much because you could get reverbs yeah, and echoes could, right. and it was a bizarre listening experience. But I want to listen to more, sort of as it should be heard. Mm-hmm. Following that that act was did he say he was nineteen year old? Yep, nineteen year old singer songwriter child, named... <laughs> an absolute infant. Conrad the second, also playing... also a very very good artist. <laughs> Playing one of my favorite types of music, mm-hmm. Christian Sad Boy. You know... Because everyone's emo, whether you have faith or not, everyone is emo when they're 19. And some people shoot it through the lens of faith, some people shoot it through the lens of 
any anything else. I mean, we've all listened to Evanescence. I'm just I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, so it was it was nice. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, a band called Cantalooper, like cantal or cantaloper, like the the fruit with the R at the end, cantalooper. They started playing, but the weather had had broken, so we headed over to one of the other tents and saw uh, the end of a set by a band called Formerly Bodies. And I thought they were pretty cool. They Yeah, they had a, a really interesting setup that a thing I liked about Audio Feed is because of the different sizes of venues, Right, you had a wide variety of types of artists and types of instruments and size of band. It also sort of meant that occasionally you had nine or ten people on the teeny tiny Burning Town stage, and sometimes you had three or four people, on the or in the beard, case of the Pretty yeah. Bads, two, right, on, on the, the big, big giant stage. main stage. Yeah. But I, I liked that diversity of size of act, that there was not a you must have this many people in your band to be a legitimate act, right. and then you get a stage, otherwise you have to go busk in the corner with Harry, because Harry got to be on a stage. <laughs> Again, sort of a, a quiet contemplative mm-hmm. prog rock. I very much, very much enjoyed, uh, enjoyed Lady Lead, Lady mm-hmm. Singer. Then we had another uh, singer-songwriter, Laura McElroy. Not McElroy. <laughs> uh, and this is the lead singer of actually one of our favorite harder bands, uh, Comrades. But she also has a, a solo, quieter, acoustic type of uh, album uh, out there mm-hmm. she's so, been working on that for a while and mm-hmm. it's sort of it's it's either in its final stages about to be released or has recently been released and is starting to promote that and perform the songs mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. and then you want to talk about discovery we were heading from that tent over to the the goth tent to hear one of our favorite must-see bands. We, we walked by the main stage, and actually this is one of the side effects of the main stage being open air. We walked by and we heard a short story being read. But there was backing music. And when you looked up, the backing music was live. And then eventually the short story stopped and the song started. And one of the performers was wearing a face mask and mm-hmm. one of them was playing some form of accordion like bellows instrument and it was making a sound that i had never heard before it was like a post-apocalyptic short story but it wasn't dystopian it was happy but it was about humans in the hundred years in the future sort of refinding themselves yeah, and sur- surviving re- survive, and traveling re- together and then finding a place crazy, where they belong weird music and strange instrumentations and, and maybe a prophecy and then there was a, a, a hardcore sort of like punk breakdown but then that faded off and then there was a percussion section and then we realized we'd been standing there for half an hour and as far as we could tell they had played one song yeah we were later able to put it together that this was an act called Staghorn. And just through a quick Googling, realized, oh, we have to talk to these people. <laughs> so you wanted to find Staghorn. Yes, because possibly 
I might never see them again. Uh-huh. So I said, all right, guys, you guys hang here. I'm going to go figure out, A, what that was, and B, could I talk to them? So I went over back to the main stage. The lady of the, of the group who had been playing that strange, enigmatic, beautiful instrument uh, was set up there with the merch. And sort of in between songs on the main stage, I was able to talk to her for just a few seconds and basically say, I have never heard of you guys before. I have no idea who you are. We have a podcast. You, or what you do. We have to talk to you. But I have a podcast, and I would love for you to explain it into a microphone for just a couple minutes. And she said, sure, absolutely. I'd love to talk about it. My partner in the band has already left, but I can go track him down and we can both talk to you if you want. I was like, that would be amazing, actually. Are you going to be back the rest of this weekend? She said, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, but just sort of attending, not set up at an official stage. And I was like, amazing. We exchanged contact information. And then the next day, we were able to go and take some time and talk to Staghorn. Talk about it. My name is Jared, uh, and I'm part of a band called Staghorn. My name's Lexi. I'm also in this band called Staghorn. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the way that we discovered you, I I think, is pretty typical, that we were walking from one place to another and sort of drifted in to hear this... Spoken word, short story... Steampunk metal-infused, post-apocalyptic storytelling. Also polka. And, yeah. <laughs> and some polka. Uh, what is we your... We two parts of our record, so it is kind of polka. What, 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 if you had to describe it, not in one word, in a pair sentence or paragraph, what's the act? What, what are you? Um, we are a collective of artists who are trying to convey a message of urgency. We are separating ourselves from the world community and to urge people to try and reunite with the earth and, and reunite with the unity that we all can have and the connectedness that we all share uh, on this on this rock. Uh, we do that through music and through a fictional story in which we're writing that is strongly based on uh, scientific like things like uh, natural disasters, um, the intelligence and sentience of many animal species on the earth, uh, as well as our own species, uh, and how we all connect together. And, and what uh, a Native American said it best, I can't quote it perfectly, life on this earth is like a web. What, what one does to the web affects all things. Uh, it was cheap Seattle. So that's, that's kind of uh, our primary directive is to convey this message through our art. Uh, we don't really even like to be called music. We're just a we're a musical collective. I was going to ask whether, uh, with as much spoken word that worked into your performance the other day, if it does count as music, as an audio drama, like what what is it? I mean, to me, it's the, the theater. Whatever you want it to be. I would call it a movement. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Yeah. We're a collective trying to create a movement uh, of people, and and we, to our to our. I guess satisfaction or enjoyment that uh, people are being moved by it and uh, come up to us and and want to know more and then we we share more of the story because it's a very layered either in terms of the concept or in terms of the the movement what would inspirations be or or who would lead you down that path or 
There's so many different inspirations. So many, yeah. I think uh, I think a lot of it is about growing your own food and learning how to live one with the earth again, and um, learning how to collect your own water and just being sustainable in that approach. I feel like I feel like we try to draw people in so they can talk to us about um, these these ways of living life, your life that are that are way more harmonious than what we're currently doing. Um, I think yeah. one of my biggest inspirations Vera talked about like derivative uh, people who inspire us to do what we do uh, Daniel Quinn wrote a, uh, an excellent book called Ishmael yeah. um, there, there's definitely one one line that's always stuck out in that, in that specific text oh, to me and it's we are we are the only species that puts food under lock and key and I feel so very strongly about that. And that, and food is inquired, like it's also water too. So our whole second record is about the importance of clean drinking water being a free thing that's accessed since it is part of the earth and we don't own the earth. So it's just uh, this, this, this feeling that we are just so far beyond where we need to be. Yeah. Removed from each other and removed from the planet. Yes, yes exactly. absolutely. I mean, uh, away from away from the circle of life completely. Yeah, Sorry, I to mean, it's it's, in, it's indicative like in our society. It's 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 plain to see that that we've not only because we've removed ourselves from the world community, we're drifting farther apart individually as well within our own society and our own constructs. What would the call to action be? What are you looking for, either? Individually, or we're here in a spiritual Christian setting, the church, or to what? Oh, we're, we're heavily what, inspired by the Bible, actually. Yeah, I mean, what what would you have us do? Um, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, start thinking more about what you do. Have a conscious effort with everything you do. Just remember, uh, it's it's kind of an existentialist philosophy to everything that you do has a consequence or a reaction or a, a change that happens no matter what whether you step on the ground uh whether you throw something on the ground like what people can do is just think about every action that they do and how it affects uh everything around them um so we like primary things that we try to uh promote or pre preach uh, our, our sustainability permaculture, uh, growing your own food, collect your own water, uh, building alternatively, uh, be it uh, tiny homes is, is the pop culture uh, tag. Live like you're surviving. Yeah. Like be a survivor, not not just someone that lives cushy. We, we don't need all these things. All these things produce all this trash. All this trash produces mass deficits and what animals need to survive as well they don't have anyone anywhere to eat we're taking too much and throwing Give it back throwing the rest away and nothing is being saved and utilized if you need to live in a regular house just produce less trash also if you have a front lawn you don't need lawn you could also grow your own food these, these are simple things that i feel like you can do and backyard gardening backyard gardening backyard if you can have backyard chickens it sounds like you're describing things that people did for thousands of years exactly. except here in the u.s for maybe the last hundred yeah. which which circles us back to uh daniel quinn he's a huge inspiration because he tells a sto a fictional story that is a it's a philosophical dialogue uh, it's told in a Socratic method, and, and that's what we hope to invoke. Uh, and he speaks about the takers and the leavers, and that there's still instances right now on this planet, right now, of people, like we think we live in the pinnacle of, of what mankind can achieve, and that we're living the best way we can, yet we're faced with all these problems. And every day, from, from uh, 
mental issues to food scarcity, water scarcity. Flint, Michigan, in our perfect American nation, has no pure water. Why is that? We're creating these awful, these awful like um, exits of all factories that just dump into pure water, which causes like all that pure water to become poisonous. You can't, you can't keep dumping into clean water. It becomes so distant in just a couple generations yeah. from that you are one bad pipe away from yeah. not being able to ruining it for thousands and thousands of years so yeah, uh the american government is so <laughs> f-ed, excuse my language and that is the problem like right now is that we're not we're not thinking for the earth we're thinking for money we can barter more so that's another thing i feel like we we uh we try to do with our band a lot we own a screen printing shop um guitarist and i and a lot of times bands will be on tour and they'll have something that they could offer us and we have something that we can offer them. So we'll trade t-shirts for whatever right, else right. that we could yeah. use, you know? And that's that's also like giving them funds to keep going, you know? So like, there's a huge circle there. We do it often with, uh, with the artwork. We, we work with a specific artist who does all of our, he's part of our collective. Uh, because he's just as much of a band member as, as I am as a guitar player, that he creates all the art, the imagery. We have a comic book that uh, convey, uh, illustrates our story as well. We just try to be good to one another so that, so that we can all succeed and all get a good message across. I love it. I think we definitely do it for the message because I think like, as much as like, the music is amazing, the message is more, more important. And yeah. So we're not trying to fit a mold or you know, be anyone that, anybody that we're not. And I just had one question about the music. What was that thing that you were playing? Um, it's called it's called a harmonium, and it is an Indian organ. They're they're really wonderful. Very, um, I think, meditative. Indian as in India. It's an Indian organ. <laughs> yeah, Indian from organ. India, the country. Um, other unique instruments within the project is uh, we have a Rhodes bass, which is not seen very often. They're very rare. Um, and we also use a, vi- a 1930s vibraphone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's that, uh, made it made it handmade. 1930s something yeah. vibraphone. It's so yeah. cool. We like to use vintage instruments. Uh, like well, that, like just, uh, the, yeah. you're not having people create something new. No, no, no there's something we, that is all pre-existing. We, we build we build, we build our, our, our cabs and our amps. Well. <laughs> all of our amps and cabs are built by our, our uh, by us. We do it as ethically as possible. You know, with electronics, you can't be perfectly. Uh, Unless we went fully acoustic, we I've, I've always joked about starting an Amish core band, where where we make all our own instruments. You're, you're only a few steps away, and I, I I can guarantee you there would be an album purchase here. That's right. I, That's there right. might not be two, but there would be one. Uh, yeah, we have we have spoke about doing like a, a acoustic ambient projects where we just do harmonium and things like that because we we're always trying to push the envelope. We don't we don't we never want to be pigeonholed into a genre, into a sound, into an architecture. Type. We want we want this project to be anything that you want it to be. You're, you can interpret it as you'd like. So we've only gotten a chance to talk to you for just a couple of minutes, but this has been wonderful. Um, it seems like you guys really do actually walk the walk in this. Like, okay, we will build our own stuff. We will find ethical alternatives. Yeah. I think it That's said awesome. that on your t-shirts they were like low water or water safe printing or something yeah, like that. Water, water based printing. printing yeah. Um, our particular garments, Staghorn's garments, are always, uh, always printed on, trade. yeah, printed on fair trade T-shirts. Trade. Organic um, when possible. Uh, yeah, organic when we're able to find find them. Um, yeah. And also, our our inks are water-based inks, which is drain safe and everything like that. So, Even, is electronics the hardest thing to sort of turn ethical, or oh, what no. are the other? 
touring. We, we burn a lot of gas, and I, we feel extremely uh, bad about that. But again, we, we do believe, and uh, getting back to our like overall message, people want to argue like, oh, well, you drive cars, or you do this, but it's not about what you do that is bad, but it's what you do in return to offset that. The big word here is like offsetting the balance. You can live in harmony with nature and also drive a car. You just need to create a balance. Balance is a key word there. Yeah. And be thoughtful in it. Yeah. When you throw something away, just just think of it for a second. Give it a thought. Think like, what you could have done. well, I'm right. throwing this away. And, Where is it going? And what am I oh, doing? This next is time? actually trash. Maybe I can somehow produce less of this. Yeah, Maybe when I go shopping yeah. at the grocery right. store because I have to go, if not, not growing my own vegetables or. You know, slaughtering my own cow. We can talk or whatever. about yeah. all the ways you can bring, do it. Bring right. totes. Bring tote bags. Yeah. Bring, bring some. It's so easy that that's easy super easy. Right. Don't get the plastic bags Reusable. for your produce. Yeah, or your, or mason jars. Mason jars are yeah. so useful. We can, we can name a million ways. Sure. And if yeah. people, like I said, the overall, the simplest way to put it is to be conscious about what you do, and you will, you will already be doing ninety-eight percent better than most of the world, <laughs> because we don't believe people think very much about what they do. They've just followed what the archetypes of society have dictated for them so if people want to support your collective yes where can they find you we have all the we have all the internets as i like to like to joke we have social media um we have facebook and instagram uh we also have bandcamp wearestaghorn.com and everything is just we are staghorn it's easily findable we're extremely approachable uh we 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 have no labels no management no nothing we're fiercely independent and we uh we're always here to 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 speak about what we're what we're trying to get across thank you guys i did want to talk about this band just for a second because audio feed christian festival talked about christian bands and christian music but these guys are not christians and I remember seeing something at one point on the audio feed about us page, and I pulled it up. The festival describes itself as, our goal is to create an environment where unconditional love is nurtured, encouraged, and shared without regard for appearance, religious belief, race, societal status, or any other thing that separates us from each other in the world at large. We believe that the perfect example of that love was expressed through Jesus Christ. And we do our best in fitful and imperfect ways to follow his example. Exploration, questioning, doubt, fear, hope, joy, all are welcomed and encouraged. Ultimately, we're people who want to support each other and experience great music and art with others who feel the same way. Some of our artists are expressly Christian. Many are not, but write music influenced by their faith journey. Some are expressly not Christian, but share our values of love and community and are working all that out in the best way they can figure out. We like people like that. We like people like that. I know. There are very few groups of people who gather around like a basic fundamental tenet or worldview. It's a religious group, political group, sociological who welcome people to their gatherings, not just as attendees, but as official speakers and performers who are not part of that community. But AudioFeed does that, and that is awesome. Yeah, there was a, a great feeling of diversity 
top to bottom. This is the thing that you have always mm-hmm. appreciated is that Cornerstone and Audio Feed have a great age diversity. Yes. That there are 14-year-olds there with their youth groups. And there are 75-year-old, green-bearded gentlemen who've been there, as far as I can tell, since, since the first, the first Cornerstone. And there's Harry Gore, who has performed at, I'm pretty sure, every Cornerstone and now Audio Feed. But there's also new blood, new people. There's that 19-year-old. Nin- who are getting up and doing performances and expressing their feelings and their beliefs and their understanding of faith and spirituality and love and life and art and all literally all are welcome Mm -hmm. and there were some people who like i said were pretty out there there were some pretty out there conservative wacky things that i heard while i was at audio feed there were also some pretty out there Mm -hmm. like liberal and progressive Beyond the fringes. Way outside the fringes on both ends. And there were normies and goths and hippies and steampunks. We haven't mentioned the heavy metal stage. And there was the heavy metal stage with the Swedes. Literally anyone could show up and provided that they had good intentions, Mm -hmm. they could express themselves, could be heard, could be supported, and could coexist. Mm Mm-hmm. That was pretty awesome. Never felt like there was any sort of elitism. Mm-hmm. Like, a thing about the goth tent was that it, the asylum was its own fixture back in Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And it's always sort of been its own thing. But in Cornerstone, the bigger it got, the physically further mm. the asylum got out yes. onto the fringes. And I always felt a little bad about that. Because, like, they've been here. It's like, they're in our family, yes, but they're pretty far away. Literally and... and uh, sort of ideologically. Yes. But at Audio Feed, because it's a smaller place, they're physically closer to the center, mm-hmm. but with just enough space between them and the rest of the festival. And this also goes for uh, the Sanctuary, the loud, Which is the heavy, metal band. heavy metal band. Now, stage. they are physically separated, That's for but noise they reasons. need to be, yes. And they are their own entities, and they're all all sort of out on the sides in their own sort of areas. But you get the feeling that that is a, hey, we would like our own space. And audio feed saying, all right, we will give you your space. As As opposed opposed to, to, yes, you can come, but you really need to stay in that corner, okay? With your people. Yeah. You know, okay, you're allowed, but you're not really welcome. welcome. There were people in all forms of dress. There were some... Hardcore normals in <laughs> Bermuda shorts and button-up shirts. And there were people in band t-shirts and raggedy jeans. And there were people in full Lolita dress. Goth. And there was that mm-hmm. one dude who I always see at Audio Feed who wears the black veil. Mm-hmm. Party on, Wayne. Like, you keep doing your thing. What was and the kilt count? Eleven. Now, to be fair, two of them were in the Irish folk That band. is true. So I think, so yeah. So nine. Okay. Really. (laughs) There never was any sort of elitism of like, oh, well, we got on the main stage. There there was never any sort of distance. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Harry Gore a couple times, but he really is a perfect example of this, that up until Audio Feed started, he'd been a fixture of the community. That didn't mean he got to play on a stage. Right. He could come, And and everybody knew him, but... That didn't mean that they were going to he wasn't promote officially him. He wasn't going it. to be listed. He wasn't going to get a stage. He wasn't going to get 
three different bands, he wasn't going to be able to take a spot and be like, hey, who wants to play in my band? And just have a sea of hands go up like, yes, please, can we please play with Harry Gore? Harry probably played at all 28 Cornerstones, but he never made it onto the t-shirt that had all the bands listed until Audio Feet. And I think that just sort of sums up audio feed like all are welcome you do whatever you want do you want to give one weird zany lecture at this tent that's physically out in the middle of nowhere do you want to only busk do you want to just set up whenever do you want to just play as the spirit moves you do you want to be scheduled on every single stage do you want to get a mic do you want to get an amp do you want to totally diy this do you want to plan up front do you want to find your band on the day doesn't matter go your own way and literally everyone was cool with that. And diversity of belief, including some who would identify themselves as being outside of, of the Christian world. And then certainly within the Christian world, there was a little bit of everything from the sort of Pentecostal flavored this to the more uh, traditional, to the more very progressive, he said, to the more conservative, to the this, that, and the other sort of again. The only thing that we missed this year were the Orthodox priests. I did not see priests. the Orthodox. Yeah. I don't know who did not call the Orthodox priests, but I will have words with them. Yeah. That was a highlight of the one two years ago. The Orthodox prayers in the morning. And this year, I, I, they may have had it previous years, but I actually physically saw the chapel tent, mm, which mm-hmm. was my favorite fixture of Cornerstone right next to the Imaginarium. And both of those seem to have transformed and reintegrated right. into audio feed, and I could literally not be happier. <laughs> that 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 was Friday. We did end with Insomniac Folklore, who's well, playing at the Goth Tent. We mostly ended because as we were leaving, we had to walk through the main area, and a group called Rat Boys was playing, and so we sat down and finished out their set. More female-led rock, and I kind of liked Rat Boys. Rat Boys was really good. I'm not gonna lie. They also said a naughty word live <gasps> into the microphone. I do it, remember that. And, oh, and then said, oh, I and then went, said, oh, I shouldn't wait have said a minute. That. I should not have said that. It was possibly my highlight of the day. <laughs> and that was the first full day, Thursday. I think I may have said it was Friday. That was Thursday, the first full day. Then we get to Friday. Whoa. This was the killer day. <laughs> because a lot of things happened on Friday. The family was represented from start, literally from start to finish. 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. We were at this festival. You mentioned the word Imaginarium a few minutes ago. And we have to talk about the Imaginopolis, which is the audio feed version. This is, again, one of the carryovers from Cornerstone. And to me, one of the things that made Cornerstone, again, in that audio feed, stand out from other music fests is the seminars and the speakers and that is because they invite smart people who have smart discussions yes audio feed does not have as many seminar tents yet as cornerstone once did at 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 its peak but it does have the imaginopolis and they tend to have themed discussions and since they're not music they start earlier in the day yeah. You know, the music starts about noon, uh, but the seminars start uh, 9 or, or mostly 10 in the morning is when the seminars start. And let me just say, you don't think that 10 a.m. is an early start time 
until you've been at a festival rocking your face off the until 11 p.m. Fortunately, it's a, did we figure about a six-minute drive? Approximately. From so. the hotel to the SO was very easy. The theme this year was Brave Little Creatures. Yes, and it was all about animals and how they relate to Christianity. We found out that the original title was actually Brave Rodents, very specifically. So that means that in a lot of their quotes Mm -hmm. and art that they had up, there was a very, very high percentage of Redwall, which I (laughs) personally very much appreciated. But this is where we get the start of the Lewis and Tolkien, Mm -hmm. that there was a lecture about Bilbo and Reepicheep and types of bravery there were two speakers that we recognized from the previous Mm, years and they are sort of like i i believe are sort of like the two i think they run imaginopolis Imaginopolis, and then they'll host additional lectures and events and speakers Mm -hmm. and things like that but they are melody green and sharon i believe it is pronounced ottenreth ottenreth there were many discussions about how it's actually pronounced but melody has a focus in literature, specifically Mm -hmm. children's literature. She is from the local seminary. Yes. Uh, I believe that Sharon also is. I was not entirely sure Mm. about her credentials, Mm -hmm. um, whether or not they were from the same institution or a different Mm -hmm. institution, but she she is... Informed, smart, educated people. Very informed, smart, some form Mm -hmm. of academic institution. Both of them always have excellent... Excellent mm-hmm. discussions. And again, two years ago, the theme was fairy tales. So the two of them, with their combined focuses of personal ethics and uh, the way that Christian ethics should theoretically be structured, and then children's literature mm-hmm. for that topic of fairy tales, and then this one, Brave Creatures, they both got to dig deep. Yeah. The two sessions about children's literature were very good, but I really, really, really want to talk about Sharon Ottenrith's because it was phenomenal. The entire focus of it was animal ethics, specifically through a Christian lens. And so it took a step back and looked at the way that animals are portrayed in the Bible and the sort of ethical lessons and morals that we are expected to learn from them and how that would have applied to ancient Israel and then also the Greek and Roman Mm -hmm. eras. We got to, at the very end of her first discussion, start talking a little bit about the early church, early martyrs, and early Mm -hmm. saints. And then in the second part, we talked about the medieval church, Mm -hmm. got a lot of stuff talking about hagiography, lives of the saints, parables, saint life stories. And how animals were often integrated into their stories, not just St. Francis. There was a lot of St. Francis, but there were a lot of stories that I had literally never heard Mm -hmm. of. A thing that I like about her lectures is that she is really good about having diverse sources. Mm -hmm. She had biblical sources, hagiographic sources, uh, apocryphal sources, and uh, then some modern or less ancient (laughs) philosophical Mm -hmm. sort of sources that she drew from in order to express the ways that Americans, particularly in the modern era, conceptualize animals Mm -hmm. and then look at how that compares to 
the reality of the physical world and then also how that compares to the ethical lessons revolving around animals and the natural world that should be mm-hmm. part of Christian ethics and have often been lost and mm-hmm. how we can bring that back in. It was, was really interesting. Amazing. Thought, thought-provoking in the I, best way. And she started her, her lecture off. She did this the previous year as well, and I love it that she always says, my purpose here is not to convince you of anything. Mm-hmm. My purpose here is simply to inform and then to ask questions of you and ask you to ask questions of yourself. So my plan here is not for everyone to leave a vegetarian. I do not have a checklist of the right and wrong ways for you to conceptualize animal ethics, but I want you to start thinking about them. Mm-hmm. Similar in the same with what Staghorn was talking about, not just that issue, but you know, broader, how we exist, how we relate how we live and breathe on the planet. Mm-hmm. Just think about the things that you're doing. Yeah, and they, they both do come from a similar sort of philosophical vein of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And neither one is didactic or a you know list of checkpoints or even a single sort of specific philosophical mm-hmm. or political or social movement but mm-hmm. it's just sort of a, a call for re-examination personally and structurally right. it was amazing she had a lot of great book recommendations which i will try and find and we can, mm, we can link we to can a few post of those. some of those links because uh, the best one was holy dogs and asses mm-hmm. featuring two famous mythical christian animals balaam's donkey and saint guinefor the holy dog yes the holy dog who features in a book that we recommended, The Inquisitor's, the Inquisitor's Tale. Tale by Adam Gidwitz, which you should definitely read. St. Guinefer might be the only sainted. She's not quite official, and there are a few Ooh. less official saints than her. But then that was a question of right. how did medieval people and early church people view animals? Mm-hmm. And were they capable of A, salvation, and B, sainthood? Mm-hmm. The general consensus was humankind does not actually have a monopoly on those concepts. At the end of both of these sessions, I think I loved mm-hmm. is that there was Q&As. Right. And so we got a chance to talk sort of amongst ourselves and also with Sharon. And we, we started doing this really great talk about transubstantiation and incarnation. Mm-hmm. About, okay, so if the incarnation of Christ is the vehicle of redemption, it redeems not just the spirit, but also the body god in flesh god in flesh is the salvation of the wholeness of mankind not just the spirit of mankind we are not gnostics we are agnostics yes uh, <laughs> oh i loved the some of the ideas I mean, we take seriously questions of gnosticism and if you look for it it's frightening how often it appears in modern churches modern mm-hmm. in modern Christian religious thought. But if you take incarnation seriously, that is one of the cures for the the error of Gnosticism. But one of the questions she asked was, Jesus came in the flesh. Did he just come in human flesh? Was the redemption limited to human flesh or was it limited? Does it avail all flesh? Mm -hmm. And if you think about incarnation in body, soul, and spirit, it's, it's, not as easy a question. 
she had a couple great points that I want to sort of give as as mm-hmm. just little nuggets mm-hmm. of summary of how really good this lecture was. I took nine pages of notes <laughs> yeah. over two days. Her two sort of, which again, she said, these are not points of doctrine, mm-hmm. but they are points of thought. And they are things that we definitely need to incorporate and consider when we are building our doctrine and our ethics, which is the animals were here first and they were good. And secondly... God's creation included the entirety Hmm. of the physical, material universe. Could his redemption be less? Mm. Wow. Food for thought. And at 10.51 in the morning. And then you ran off to another seminar by Propaganda. Oh, this was fantastic. So I had seen... We were getting our brains on early in the morning. Brain food, brain food. I had seen a couple of t-shirts that said like propaganda and had a sort of logo on it. And I was like, I don't really know what this is. And I'd seen the same logo and the same artist set up the previous uh, audio feed that we attended. And I was like, I don't really know who this person is. But this year he was listed as one of the seminar speakers. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm really interested to hear what he has to say. And when his talk was uh, sort of billed, Propaganda's music is about divergence and connection. The rapper raised and bred in Los Angeles sees the intersection of all things and celebrates it in his songs. Here's the thing. They dropped the word intersectional. And that is one of my favorite words. That's a sociological buzzword. That is a sociological buzzword. And you don't tend to drop it accidentally. So this is clearly for me. And mom ended up joining me Mm -hmm. because she didn't really have anything else to do. And oh my gosh. Prop blew our minds. It was bananas, crazy, stupid good. A lot of his talk was about racial justice. I want to make sure that I use that very specifically. Mm -hmm. Not about racial issues, not about racial reconciliation, but racial justice. Talking about the ways that individuals need to recognize evils that have been perpetuated Mm -hmm. in the past because those events have created structures that continue to perpetuate inequality and suffering and that it is our responsibility to make ourselves aware of that not just because you exist in reality and like you should care about your fellow people but because you will not understand yourself or your world or your god unless you can understand the perspectives of your fellow brothers and sisters and the people around you. It was so crazy good. And again, I'd already had my mind blown once. (laughs) With the animals. About the importance of like ethical consideration of all of creation. And then to go over to propaganda and hear him talk about the importance of being sociologically literate and then also aggressively and intentionally compassionate towards the people around you like it was amazing it was amazing and this was not the last that we heard of him he (laughs) had a set which unfortunately we did miss but he came back the next day came back the next day after getting our minds blown we had to take in some music i had to take in some music we needed to like rest a little bit so Maybe. we went to the main stage. They were getting get getting geared up and started off with a band, just one of the coolest names, the Jericho Harlot. Amazing. 
I'm just saying, the Bible is pretty freaking metal. And there are a lot of really, really good bands that you can get from Great biblical band names. themes, phrases, concepts. It's amazing. We'll probably list some because, dang. Jerrica Harlot then at the wayside. And then one of the bands we definitely wanted to see. The problem was, since they were at the main stage, they you talked about the different sized venues. We saw this band called Must Build Jacuzzi. Amazing. Not a biblical reference, interestingly enough. How weird. But we saw Must Build Jacuzzi play in one of these small venues two years ago, which was awesome because they're a ska band. And so, which like, means they have lots of people on the band, and there's like, lots of jumping, and there's tons, tons trombones of and trumpets that are sliding around. And there's a serious, serious lots like, of people falling of, off stage. Yeah, of somebody getting like just clocked completely with a trombone and going flying. But at the main the stage. stage, they were able to like get you know space and stuff. And there was some crowd surfing, but. You know, it's not Honestly, quite the same as knocking your bass player in the head with your trumpet. It just wasn't... It, it's kind of why you sky, It just wasn't... It, it wasn't quite rowdy enough, you know? This one time... There was time, too much room This one for the, time, for the, we needed a tent and maybe like five feet less on the stage. And like, it would have been, been perfect. But you know, sometimes as events grow, you lose a certain something. And in this case, it was the danger of a trombonist being yeeted out into the crowd. And ska is one of those musical styles that is awesome for 45 minutes once a year. Yeah. When you see it live. Because it Perfect. was bonkers, it was bananas. It was amazing. Lots of jumping up and down and circles and smashing into each other up near the stage and on the stage, but... <sighs> then there was sort of a little bit of a break, so we were already at the main stage, just hang out there. And we ran into a band called Heartside Hooligans. Which was sort of a just a sort of standard four-piece band, and then they started playing, and then they started singing, and this was one one of those songs that oh, it was about faith deconstruction and reconstruction and it was like questions and pain and, and doubt and hope oh. and the ska sort of all that physical energy I think left left you raw. For Heartside Hooligans to come in and then get your emotions Again, excellent, and your spirit. Excellent booking. <laughs> Again, sort of not unlike Gaffer Project. Unexpected, like raw, powerful, mm-hmm. intimate, just completely out of left field, but at like a perfect time yeah. for us. It was... It was phenomenal. And for me, that was the end of my time at the main stage because mm-hmm. basically we got to the end of that song and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go chill for a little bit and sort of like process that. Actually, if you'd stayed, it would have worked because the next band, Analecta, mostly or entirely instrumental for you. But yes, I think at this point we all went our separate ways, met up again uh, closer to dinner time uh, a couple hours later for a band just again, whose name I, I loved. Hey, Augustine. I assume it's related to the uh, ancient uh, theologian, St. Augustine. I hope so. One would assume, but one could never do. You never know. So, hey, Augustine, they were sort of family folk. A little little bit bluegrass Mm -hmm. Mm gospel-y sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Sort of that. The something, their family I was going to say, yeah, that that sort of classic traveling uh, family 
evangelical musicians or religious musicians. No, no direct shade to them, but the kind of cassettes that my grandpa played for me hey, when yeah. I was four and five. Diversity um, of musical styles. Diversity of musical styles. There is something for everyone. And I mean, not bad. Not my thing. Yep. But nice. But mostly we were at that place for the next band, which again we've mentioned, Insomniac Folklore. Yeah, we were camping out. And this was the full band. And by that I mean face paint. Yep. Kerchiefs. Stetsons. White dresses on the ladies. Yep. They Vests. Looked, they looked, I would guess, 1875 was the year they were shooting for, would you I think say? They, I think they were going for the grunge of uh, 99. <laughs> So, one of our favorite bands. This time they had a significantly more stable stage, which was good because they had the support for all nine different musicians that they crammed up on there at any one particular point. And, 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 and also, the leader, Tyler, he likes to stamp. Yes. there's there When he, when he sings. The additional percussion instrument of the band <laughs> is stage. Yes. And at their acoustic set, they did have a big finish. He held in all of his stamping. And then they kind of had their microphones do a split. Yeah. He and one, one of over. the singers each had to sort of dive in separate directions to catch the microphones and stand them back up. I do need to jump back to that earlier show the day before at the goth tent. Because, as we said, the main stage was sort of nearby. And as he pointed out from the stage about halfway through the set, you may have noticed that the main stage is outdoors now. They're asking for requests from the audience. A... At one point, it's like, oh. Oh, sorry, what was that? I was listening to the other band. Um, what was that request one more time? <laughs> I was listening to the other band. Uh, but this time they got their own space. They got their own tent. Mm-hmm. They had Full band. Yeah, that was intense. Yeah. They that had was wand- wandering face painters in the audience. They had uh, violin, two additional backup singers, mm-hmm. two bass, yep. one guitar, drums and they had they had a guest backup vocalist on a couple of the songs from other bands mm-hmm. who stopped by to play so that was uh, as always an experience and i i just love getting to see them live because mm-hmm. the energy that they have is so great I, I sometimes even feel a little bad trying to play the music for people because i'm like well if you can't see the showmanship yeah. you're literally missing like 30 percent of the performance <laughs> if you can't see the clothes if you can't see the big giant sweeping motions that Tyler is making if you aren't there singing along at particular points. You're missing out on a significant part of the experience but this was the perfect experience on the Burning Town stage perfectly enigmatically named. Just got this it feels like they've definitely taken a lot more of a sort of western vibe sort of folded into their steampunk aesthetic one of their tours a few years back was the Oregon Trail tour. And so I think they were sort of really living into that, that mindset. And nice thing was that was their, their second set. That was their last uh, musical set. But they were around the next day and we were able to, uh, to talk to Tyler for a few minutes. I'm uh, Tyler Henschel from uh, Insomniac Folklore and we're here at beautiful Audio Feed 2018. The weather is fantastic today. Finally. Ah, uh, finally. We are here at our merch table. Amanda is here, uh, our uh, bass player of forever. Uh, since uh, since last time we were here, uh, she's gotten hitched and uh, had a child. Uh, Crazy. Things like that happen sometimes. Yeah, it, uh, it keeps things interesting. It, uh, it keeps us guessing. Over here we have uh, Lisa, violin player, and Zach 
who is just all around amazing human being, a juggler. Uh, he's uh, featured in some of our music videos, uh, does percussion from time to time. And uh, I, always I need to throw in, in his bio that he has very nice hair. Yes. <laughs> and all, all bands need an official juggler. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, we've seen you play a, a couple of times here. Is, is the plan just the number of people in the band is just based on the stage size? Is that what you judge it by? That is, actu that is actually what determined the size of our band this year. We were hoping to have a couple more people up there, but uh, we decided that there was not really much more room to be able to, I don't know, not just be stabbing each other with uh, headstocks, etc. So uh, I think we capped it off at, I don't know how many people were up there, <laughs> to 10 at some point. Um, it was, it was kind of disappointing we saw the ska band play on this big stage yesterday. It's like, there's no chance of them bumping into each other, no horn-related accidents. There's just too much space sometimes. I mean, let's be honest, that's why people see ska. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's fun to dance to, and uh, everyone just bumps into everyone, and that's, that's part of the experience. <laughs> if you want to explain, talk about the latest album, Everything Will Burn. That is what has come out since last time, and is anything in the works? We have a couple things in the works. It's hard to say when things will actually come out. Um, we recorded an acoustic version of a song for a compilation that'll be coming out from a label in Minneapolis. Um, we're going to have our Sleep in Our Car cassette reissued by a little label, a cassette label. But uh, we're possibly doing some uh, other experimental stuff coming up soon. We have a lot of ideas, it's just a matter of what gets finished first. We're hoping to have a couple, at least one or two new recordings ready for uh, next year's audio feed. Or uh, something I've always liked about your band is that pretty much everything is an experiment. That it, it, almost every time we listen to you, not only are there new songs, but there's a new sound, new instrument, new people. Things are always in flux. This particular show had a lot more country and western vibes, which I, per I personally was very much enjoying. The was sort of was dark... that the couple years in Nashville? Yeah, was, was that was that Nashville sort of Oh, we're good. Without getting in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that had a that had to do with Nashville, but not maybe not the way you'd think. After being in Nashville for a while, I I kind of discovered that I was actually much more country and much more western than I thought. Emphasis on western. Western. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a uh, rural rural Oregon, uh, working on farms and raising pigs and going to the fair every year. And my sister is a. Uh, farrier, so she does a uh, horse. She trims hooves, and uh, I'm just like that's that's the culture I I, I actually grew up in. And I uh, there's something about big city and country music that I don't. Is it seems a misfit maybe? I thought a bit. Um, uh, the, the cowboy hats are actually kind of kind of practical uh, if if you're a cowboy. Um, <laughs> and if you're paying you know that much money for a cowboy hat. I think it's a misplaced. So. I've got a feeling we shouldn't get them started on boots either. <laughs> Is that a no comment? Um, <laughs> I'm a fan of good boots, so I'm just going to put myself off the uh, crosshairs here. We got, we got a little country, but we're still, you're back in Portland now. You've got the weird. Keep keeping so the weird. Keep, definitely going to be still keeping it weird. Keep insomniac folklore weird. Yeah, I don't think that will change. <laughs> We're just going to keep making new stuff and uh, keeping ourselves entertained, and uh, hopefully other people will continue to be along for the ride. So. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. This was going to be our longest day. So after this, we all went back to the hotel. Yeah, we wanted to rest because 
my personal must-see act was going to be playing at 11.30 p.m. And Which we was, were going to that was some... going to be a little too late for me, especially <sighs> since I wanted to go back and hear a couple of the earlier bands. So basically, we went to the hotel and dropped you off. Yeah. Then Mom and I went back, and I found a band who had been at Audio Feed for a couple of years, and I had yet to see them play. Band called Deborah, heavy metal band from Mexico. This was my foray onto the sanctuary heavy metal stage. I think we each took one. And, and I, I made the right choice. 15, 20, 30 minutes. And this was one that I, you know, I sort of scouted and I knew that they had a little bit of melody, a little bit of groove in their music. So I, at my age, it starts with a five. Some of the screamo and the pure loud doesn't always work for me as much as it may have 25 years ago. But I wanted to hear Deborah play. So I like them. It's a five-piece band with three ladies, majority ladies, uh, in the band. And the guitarist was translating what, what uh, you know, when she was talking about the songs, explaining the songs. And they were singing in Spanish. But it's metal, so Again, does that really matter? You haven't, you haven't really missed much of the experience. <laughs> I really had a good time at the at the Sanctuary stage. And for one thing, I engaged in a business transaction completely through sign language because they were playing. And it's a little loud to uh, conduct business 25 feet from that. So with hand signals and pointing at signs and Holding handing money, over money and saying, no, back. you keep the change and this. Uh, and a little, a little, little clasped th- hand bow. Thank you. <laughs> good, good on you. And one of the things I like about audio feed, it's small enough that you notice when other bands are listening to bands. As we said, the sanctuary, the the, the, the metal stage, it was out on its own, a, a partially for, four, mostly for out. noise abatement purposes. Yeah. The nature of the drained, you know, as we said the day before, it was a little bit of muddy, so there was a, a very, one narrow path uh, that you could walk. And as I was walking down, I saw... A couple young kids, musician-looking types, dressed in pink, oh, yeah. walking back towards that way. Oh, it's uh, Kayla and Jordan pretty bad. And uh, you know, we talked to them a couple times. They recognized me and gave them the, hey. And I said, hey, just to warn you, it's pretty loud over there, just so you know. <laughs> oh. Mom was able to go to Rabbi Rock yes. for a few songs, which was on, on her list. You hit up... Glenn Kaiser, always a standout important checkmark to make sure you get on every single audio feed. <laughs> We've mentioned that name before, but he was one of the, the leaders behind Cornerstone. And he did not attend the first audio feed, but the first one that we went to, he attended. And it sort of felt like we're not cheating on Cornerstone. We're not stealing from them. Like, like you had the blessing yeah. of Father Cornerstone. Yeah, Harry... And, and Glenn, Glenn were there, so, like, it's the, cool. The, Harry Gore, sort of the unofficial Mr. Cornerstone, and Glenn, the, the official Mr. Cornerstone. And he was playing a blues set, and, of course, he was also talking about how broken the U.S. prison system is, because that's, I don't think, jail and blues sort of go hand, uh, hand in hand. So uh, After that, Mom and I headed back. We noted, oh, man. man, we were at the stage where we noted that there were time changes. 
later came out on social media, I don't think we would have we would not have seen this. No, not at all. That your show had been moved up an hour earlier because hour of and a half. hour and a half because of noise complaints. There is a curfew, a noise curfew, and yeah, there were enough complaints they were going to have to enforce it for the rest of the fest. Basically, every stage has a dinner break built in. They just blew through that, yeah. moved everyone up. And so your act, which would have been from 11 to midnight, was 9.30 to whatever, 10.45. Yeah. Much more manageable. And that was the band that we talked about a number of episodes back. The Darkness to Light Approved. Mara in the mainsail, featuring the most important instrument ever to have on a live stage performance. 20 foot of chain. Thank you. (laughs) 20 foot chain. That is a percussion instrument. If you haven't heard it, you don't know what you're missing. It was phenomenal. I was able to get there, uh, get set up. I had just enough time to dip over to the funnel cake stand and get a deep fried Snickers. This is the first I'm hearing of this. That was a good decision. Expensive. (laughs) worth it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um by the time i bounced back they had just started their first song and i got a ton of video and a ton of pictures uh it was phenomenal they played about a third of thaumatrope we've talked about before their big sort of loud standout rock anthems from that so we got graveyard your ghost we did not get Wendigo, I do not believe, unfortunately. I know. I think I think that might actually be so much strain yeah, to go with the yeah. Wendigos that if you play that live, it kind of has to be your final song. But did they play most of Bone Crown? They played probably about half of Bone Crown, which is the new album, mm-hmm. and it is also phenomenal. It is also a story album-like right. Thaumatrope, uh, with this one being about... The animals of the forest. Da, 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 da. And about their mad leader, the mm-hmm. fox king, mm. who burns the forest to the ground. It is excellent. Probably the standout was their song Ember, yes. which has some like really evocative lyrics. And some great call and responses. Burn the trees, burn it all. Like, it's great. Total chills. Through the whole 45, 50 minute set, great. It's like 10, 30. It's like, awesome. I can go. Well, I should go talk to them. I went over and I got to talk to Cassandra, the bassist and female singer of the group. I was not able to talk to the second percussionist, and actually sort of front main percussionist who plays the giant drum yeah. and 20 foot chain, because he and the guitarist... We're at the main stage That's right. listening to the end of their set, yep. which originally they would have been free for. Again, that's the drawback that is to the musicians drawback, going so. to hear other sets. Um, but I got to talk to her for a few minutes, and I sort of thought about, oh, maybe I'll try and get some stuff. But I got some personal audio for a friend who was not able to make it to Cornerstone with us this year. Talked to them all a little bit and uh, actually got them all to sign a, mm-hmm. a thing to give to my friend and... Uh, it was, they, they, were, they were very kind. Let me they just say. They were exceedingly kind. In, uh, in, 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 I know in this isn't that. surprising because they're a independent folk metal artistic group from the upper central Midwest, United States yeah. and they play at Audio Feed, but they are five really, really nice, 
thoughtful, kind people, and just getting to sort of just sort of hang out at their tent for 15, 20 minutes until the guys got back and could sign the thing, and it's just awesome. it was really good. And that that was that how was I got awesome. to end my night. I would call that a solid, solid day. Nice thing about you being of your age now is that could not have done 10 plus years ago at these fests. Okay, you go do your thing. Here's the car key. Here's the hotel key. We'll see you in the morning when we have to wake you up or else you'll sleep through the breakfast that's included in the hotel. And if there's one thing that Professor Quarterbin believes in, (laughs) it is if you're paying for included breakfast, you're going to get to included breakfast, even if it involves setting an alarm. It's not free breakfast. It's prepaid breakfast. It's included, and we're not paying a second. I've got a feeling... Ruth Sutherland has my back on this one. I mean, probably. I'm just saying. That was our huge day. That uh, was Friday. That was the big day. And that was at the final cornerstone. We were able to all stay up until a one o'clock in the morning showing because it was very, very important. You guys are no longer in your late 40s. The and first number I, of I our am, age I am changed. no longer in my early 20s. <laughs> so no. that was... Not we were done. Be an option. We were done. That was not going to be an option at all, especially considering that we were going to have to be up and at the festival at ten o'clock the next day because the back half, the second half of the of, animal seminar, of brother fox and sister squirrel, animals in Christian, <laughs> Christian tradition. tradition, I had to be there. That was the one that had all the saint stories. That second, oh. that was awesome. There were a, a lot of really good stuff. A lot of it came from the Apocrypha, and we got to talk mm-hmm. about the Apocrypha for a while, which, let me just say, it weirds Mom out yep. pretty significantly. There's a, a reason it doesn't make it doesn't, in. A lot of that doesn't, yeah, um, meet the canon criteria. And the nice thing about the Imaginopolis is it's so small. I mean, it's a decent-sized tent, yeah. but there's maybe 30 chairs and usually yeah. 18 people. So when she starts saying, so this particular story is going to come from the Infancy Gospel of Thomas... I'm seeing some some wincing and shaking heads. I'm guessing you have all read <laughs> the Infancy Gospel of Thomas. I'm seeing a lot of nods. Yep, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So we're going to talk about that. There was a really cool story that I had never heard. I'm not really sure where this, mm-hmm. like what sort of tradition this story pops up in, but a story of St. Paul on his missionary work mm-hmm. while he was traveling through the wilderness, a talking lion coming up to him and saying, I would like to be baptized. Another C.S. Lewis reference. There Talking lions. And Paul says, okay, and baptizes the lion. It is now a Christian lion. And this in and of itself is a really interesting story, especially for her point, which mm-hmm. is all creation is part of the salvation. And the church believed that 16, 17, 18, 1900 years ago. And people were down with it. Maybe not everyone, but definitely some people, and it's worth thinking about and incorporating that into our current traditions. What made it fascinating for me is that there was a sequel. That mm-hmm. later, Paul is captured and put in the arena, a bunch of lions to eat. And one of them is the talking lion that he baptized, who proceeds to start preaching to the other lions in the name of Paul. And, of course, the other lions do not listen, and God smites them. And Paul and the lion escape into the wilderness, and the lion goes off to live, like, a happy, blessed Mm -hmm. Christian life. We're actually saying Mm -hmm. capital B, capital B blessed. No, yes, yes. Capital B blessed life out in the wilderness as his reward for his good Christian service. Service. 
That's, That's amazing. Bananas. Why did I miss out on this story? Mainline Christianity? <laughs> I'm just saying the Catholics and the Orthodox have all the cool stuff. That is true. That is true. I stayed there in the Imaginopolis for the Wrinkle in Time seminar while you and Mom zipped off to a... Was it a recording of the Liturgists podcast, or no, were the Liturgists just hosting the discussion? So uh, it was a one the the main main big name seminar was right. the Liturgists podcast, which showed up. So Michael and Lisa Gungor, and one of the other co-hosts, Science Mike, and I know, I, I know Science Mike, and gained propaganda the title of social science prop. So we had science, Mike, and sociology prop. And sociology prop was, again, he was, he was killing on it. it. He was and killing so, it. like, I'm going to be honest. Seeing him listed on the liturgist panel spoke a lot for his cred for me yeah. to go and listen to his mm-hmm. panel. Right, right. And I was just blown away This was another times. one, but I think both you and Mom had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, Propaganda's was very much uh, his personal story and sort of his own feelings on faith and theology and responsibility and the way that that translates into social justice right. and a, a desire for not just lack of conflict. Right. In right. Propaganda's own uh, seminar, he talked a lot about those uncomfortable Dr. King quotes that a lot of people like to forget and there was a lot of talk in that about rioting mm-hmm. and the voice of the unheard. And There's then, a lot of talk about women in leadership in well, this one as well. That's the thing is, okay. in, the, in the liturgists one, they got two big questions. One of them about the nature of America and mm-hmm. essentially, is it worth it? And we got to have a lot of discussion there, which was great because with the inclusion of propaganda, there were two black men on the panel. Mm-hmm. And it was nice because then Michael and Lisa got to kind of be a little bit of the moderators and bring some of their own sort of feelings and opinions, but sort of be the moderator between these two other members of their panel who had very different feelings. And that was a really interesting And there was a lot in there about listening. Yes. The value Um, of listening to others. And then the second question. And they only got through two questions in 45 minutes, which tells you, one, how good the questions were. And the depth of their answers. And two, how good their answers were. Uh, The second question was about women in leadership and what women can do to support other women, what Mm -hmm. churches can do to start sort of healing the hurt that misogyny has placed on Mm -hmm. women in the church, sort of the the church collectively and like organizationally finding ways to um, like make amends Mm -hmm. and then also personally what you can do to lift up women in the church. And then she put a good little and like 0.1a under that how can I, as a white woman, support non-white women? Right. Um, turned into this great discussion about privilege. And Prop actually started off by saying, here's the thing. I spent a lot of time talking about how profiled and stigmatized I am in America. But when I go into an American church, I know that I bring a privilege with me that I do not have outside of those doors. And M- I need to recognize that. Male trumps black in a lot of those settings in it's, terms of the power dynamic. Exactly. Especially in churches. And they talked mm-hmm. about as sort of like a sidebar under that about racially diverse churches and what you can do about trying to find multi-ethnic and multicultural churches and how important it is to listen and to support mm-hmm. one another. And we got a great, a great sort of moment, which I did put on the Tumblr of... Michael Gungor talking to uh, he and Lisa talking to the church leadership at one particular sort of mega church 
and they were looking at the leadership and it was a church council or council of elders of like 10 people for a 10,000 person mm-hmm. church and they were all white men and Lisa sort of had a a little bit of a comment about that like oh we, well where where are the women at and one of the people on the council said well you know it, if we had qualified women <gasps> and sort of collective uh, from every single woman in the stage and the like 80 percent of the men just sort of 98 percent of the crowd at once just going oh and as propaganda pointed out this is why you shouldn't get defensive you just sound like an idiot yeah and they talked about an experiment that they did that really moved mom yeah that at one of the liturgist meetups because they do these sorts Mm -hmm. of these sorts of meetups and seminars and stuff that they did at audio feed that they'd done one in i think they said it was boston where at a certain point in the sort of group discussion, they said that they were going to be turning over the session to the audience. But before we do that, we want to to read something out as sort of a guideline for this. And Michael Gungor stood up and said, I do not permit a man to speak authority over a woman. And for the next 60 minutes, every single man in this building will be silent and sit down. And uh, it was really awkward for a couple of minutes. And then the floodgates just opened. And And women were able to tell their stories And there was just And there was just a microphone in the center of the stage. And there were two or three men sitting up on the stage and Lisa. And Lisa got to have Mm -hmm. conversations one-on-one with any woman who wanted to talk with her while the three dudes sat next to her in silence and watched. And everyone who was on that panel said it was the most transformative experience. And Lisa said, you know, this is part of that, Uh that you as a woman need to recognize that you have been conditioned and complicit in this because you have been brought up with these sorts of assumptions. And that before you can raise others up, you have to make sure you're not part of the problem holding them down. And recognizing that for yourself, be they younger women or unmarried women or non-white women, that you are probably bringing in biases into this situation and you need to recognize that because you are almost certainly part of the problem Mm -hmm. and everyone needs to take that sort of intentional moment to look inwards in order to figure out what they personally can do and then apply that structurally. That's awesome. It was great. Michael and Mike talked about as you were... They were like, and we didn't even want to interrupt them. We we didn't want to stop them. We just wanted to have a conversation with them. And we couldn't. And it was in that moment that I knew what it felt like being a woman in the church. Not just not being allowed to speak or to present, but to engage. Having to sit there silent was like the hardest thing that they had ever done. And I was like, yeah. Wow. And both both of the guys were like, wow, that was powerful. And then Lisa said, just so you know, afterwards I went backstage and crawled into the bathroom and cried. <laughs> I'm so glad that our church ended up there on women in ministering. <sighs> Made that correct turn. Yeah. To allow women to preach. And then, and then you have, I always say, where the rubber meets the road is to have women pastors who are not married to male pastors. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. We have some of those at our church. But, but that's it's where... when you have, and also single women pastors. Mm-hmm. Or women who are not married to male pastors. If your church makes that leap, then you can start to maybe say you're moving in the right direction. To mm-hmm. me, that's the standard. Heavy topics. Ooh. Heavy topics from some of the acts. Heavy topics from the... The speakers. There's a little more heaviness coming too today. But first, after that, I think we sort of met up, went through the merch areas, and I wanted to talk about the idea that you had, or for you to talk about the idea that you had, which I thought was awesome. So this is a thing that we've done at Renaissance festivals, Mm -hmm. um, is always make sure that you go in with $20, $25 in ones. Because there are always people that are busking. And being able to drop one or two bucks or get a $2 sampler or something like that. I said that what we should do before we went for all these bands was stock up on fives. Mm -hmm. Because then you go up to a thing and they usually have the $25 t-shirt, the $15 album, and the $1 sticker. So you can get one or two stickers. And then give them a five. And that's three stickers and And a a gallon of gas. Either the tip jar or the keep the change situation. Mm -hmm. That was my thing. was sort of like, even if we can't buy stuff, but we want to support people. Because you were like, yeah, we should have like three, four bucks. And I was like, we should bring fives because that's one one and a half, maybe two gallons of gas. And Mm -hmm. in some cases, like Insomniac Folklore, I think they said they spent like $600 on their gas bill. It's insane, especially because a lot of these people, they've got these big gas-guzzling vans because they mm-hmm. need to bring all of their equipment with yeah. them. So that was the thing. I was like, okay, so we've got to make sure that we bring enough cash so that so we, we can... So we made sure on that last day... We can financially yes. support people physically 10 miles further up the road. So it's one of the things we did on, on that last day was make sure uh, there were certain groups or activities that we really liked that we wanted to make sure they got money, mm-hmm. but then just sort of walk down the bands. Because it's... Like you said, it's a couple gallons of gas for a lot of bands. And especially for a lot of these bands that, you know, Mara for sure played in Columbus four days after. You follow their tour. A lot of these bands. Either going east or going. They hit On 74 and 70. They they hit Columbus two days before or two days after. And Indianapolis is in between. And then Pittsburgh is the next night. You can sort of see that couple hundred miles later they're setting up and playing again yeah so the 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 theoretical concept is okay we can get them 10 miles closer to their next (laughs) next gig gig, exactly but over in the merch area it wasn't just the band stuff that was cool there was an interesting organization that we talked to and also a fashion design company that we talked to my name is brian i'm uh, the founder and president of chicago tiny house and what is the idea the concept well, we're in the process of proposing the city. We actually have the, the proposal in with the city. Uh, we're proposing three tiny houses as well as a outreach center for, our, for homeless veterans. This is going to pave the way for a chronic homeless program later on down the road where we're going to use tiny houses in Chicago. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Where where's, where'd the idea come from? My organization, most of the members have helped people that were homeless from the viaducts of Lakeshore Drive. We sheltered them with tents, we fed them, basically provided community for them. 
and unfortunately the city had to displace these people throughout the city and uh, we didn't want to cause any trouble with the city so we wanted to create a legal way of fighting back and this is what we came up with. And information is at chicagotinyhouse.org. That is correct. It's right on the money. Thank you. Hi, I'm, I'm Byron Elliott, and I'm here with my awesome wife, April Elliott, and we are Black Sheep Collective. Um, we're a faith-based lifestyle brand with a focus on encouraging people to embrace their own God-given individuality and uniqueness. Um, and every design that we do is inspired by scripture, um, but we primarily like to hinge on the on the concept of being peculiar and going against the grain and, and uh, you know, being that awesome, special person that God calls you to be. Standing out in your giftedness and your, what, what makes you you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, God made all of us special, like Bob and Larry says, you know, and I feel like that we're all different parts of, of the body. I think people get too hinged on what other people are doing and everybody wants to be an eyeball or everybody wants to be a finger, you know what I'm saying? But we all play a very important role and I feel like if we can all just embrace whatever that role is, the possibilities are endless. That's great. What's the, the website or social media to find Black Sheep Collective? BLKSHPCO.com, BLKSHPCO on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Awesome. And then you headed back to the asylum for another intense seminar. And this one, you you, you texted me about halfway through and said, "This guy is really good." Well, first I, I first took, I sent oh. you a picture that said Glenn Kaiser and Harry Gore are busking together. Yes. Yeah, so, so we go did get that. A picture of made that. sure and made sure to deposit. Uh, one of those fibers for them as well. Um, so you caught me up on that. And then you were listening to a fellow named Nate Allen talk. And was I guess, was was it the name of the, the talk that sort of attracted you? The, yeah. And then you texted me about halfway through, which I took as an invitation to join you. I don't oh, know if it, it was meant that way. It definitely was. Okay. So this was Nate Allen of Destroy Nate Allen, a band that we quite enjoyed. Yeah. A kind of really lighthearted, silly, kind goofy, of goofy, yeah. weird like punkish but very like kid punk they play in a regular tent and they usually play a one or a two set in, in the, the family kid in the kids area it's just that sort of light nutty jumping around music. but we'd also seen flyers for this thing called the good saint nathaniel i had put it together by that point that it was the same person i had not i put that together at the <laughs> discussion like, again okay. this is back in the golf tent I've... which is where the intense emotional personal talks seem to take place are yes i had seen the name and i was like oh nate allen okay i guess he's sort of pulling a laura mcelroy that he's gonna do a do solo, solo set okay and then it said next to it seminar i was like he's doing a seminar and then it said next to that the title of the seminar which was death by a thousand cuts when christians hurt christians and i was like okay so i have to go we don't really know Nate Allen's right. bona fides. We don't really know his cred. And we don't really know what direction that this is going to go in. But for me personally, I was like, this definitely seems interesting. Mm-hmm. And there were some other, you know, lectures that I was sort of like, eh, I think I'm going to give that one yeah. a pass. But this one really intrigued me. I went over there uh, right as he was getting set up. And he said, so I am going to be talking about cycles of abuse 
perpetuated by Christians and within the structure of the church. And I was like, okay, so like literally buckle in. Yeah. This ride is going to get kind of crazy. And to me, the interesting thing was that he wasn't talking about the one big thing. Yes. And he, 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 started, said, he started his his discussion off by saying, I'm not going to be talking about sexual abuse or physical abuse. Um, that's not my story. It is definitely something that mm-hmm. happens, but I am talking about a different experience. And that is, to take another sociological term, the microaggressions mm-hmm. and the hurts and abuses that people will suffer specifically emotionally and spiritually within church contexts and the way that the structures of the church need to be held more accountable because of the amount of harm Mm -hmm. that they can do particularly to children Mm -hmm. and it was a it was a a great talk and it was literally just basically his life story Mm And he had a, a couple of things that really spoke to us and that we really sort of appreciated. That he started off by talking about his history in the church. And not only was this not, I want to talk about one specific very bad thing or situations in which criminal abuse, mm-hmm. like legal abuse. Right. He's like, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not talking about sex scandals and I'm not talking about corporal punishment. I'm not, I'm not talking about things that are actually punishable by law. And he's not talking about one situation, one church, one leader. Exactly. And he said that it, it was not also not even one denomination. Right. They started off by saying, my parents raised me. At first, we were in a Methodist church, and then we were in a Baptist church, and then we went to a vineyard church, and then we went to an Episcopal church, and we went to a Pentecostal church. And he was sort of like, these were all of the various places that I went, and here were all of the types of hurts mm-hmm. that I personally experienced in those situations. And it was very very personal obviously and very powerful because a lot of his talk centered around validation Mm -hmm. because the way that spiritual abuse manifests is usually denial because Mm -hmm. the idea that is perpetuated by the person who is actively doing the abuse I'm not going to say abuser because yep. a lot of this is structural. Right. That it's not individual people. Right. It's, it's, a system. it's a system and a Processes. mindset. Mm-hmm. In those individual situations, the idea that you are only being hurt because you're not good enough right. is perpetuated. And he said that is classic abuse, like mental mm-hmm. process that happens in physical abuse and sexual abuse and emotional abuse, and thus we need to recognize these types of hurts as what they are, which is an additional form of abuse that Mm -hmm. will cause lasting long-term damage to people emotionally. It was phenomenal, and we've talked about this before, uh, that you were not raised Christian, Mm -hmm. and I was. And let me say, to sit down in a tent and hear someone express the harms that come mm-hmm. from being raised Christian mm-hmm. were incredibly validating yeah. to me mm-hmm. because I was fortunate enough never to experience these things, but I definitely saw them yeah. and I definitely knew them and I knew people that this happened to. And that can be a really difficult thing to talk about because who do you tell? Right. 
you tell the parents, well, the parents aren't going to understand because a lot of times they are either the perpetuator mm-hmm. or don't understand the degree of harm that is being done to your child. Because if you come home with a bruise, you can see it. it. Or even if you develop some form of PTSD through an emotional abuse, Mm -hmm. you see the physical effects. But the spiritual effects will largely manifest as distance from organized religion and distance from God personally. Mm -hmm. And those things are always, always dropped at the foot of well, I guess you didn't believe hard enough. Yeah, yeah, it's been crazy. To me, there were a couple of takeaways uh, from that. Maybe the three things that struck me. One is, if you need counseling, get counseling. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I just want to put a little asterisk in next to there. He really talked about how important, not just counseling, professional therapy. Yes, yes. Was. yes. And I want to you. underline Thank it you. Thank you for that Because he underlined it because yes. I talked to him about how validating that was for me to hear, even though it wasn't my problem but i had seen so many people who were being hurt by their church and their answer was to go to church more right and uh, i told him giving people the permission to break that cycle for themselves of Mm -hmm. recognizing the thing that they think will help them is the problem and that they need to go somewhere else right and then also the difficulty of finding a person in the professional psychological psychiatric field who will take your harms seriously can also be difficult Mm -hmm. because you want to say, hey, this happened to me spiritually and I am spiritually harmed. And you have to find someone who it's safe to talk to who will help your mind and your spirit. Because those people are not always Mm -hmm. the same people. Right, right. He did talk about that he had found friends and lay counselors and pastors who, who he could speak to, but... You don't assume that. Mm-hmm. And he said one of the great tests that, that, that he did to find someone who was safe was that he would start to tell a story. And as soon as he was interrupted by the, that, the other person, he said, okay, you are not the person I can share this with. Mm-hmm. That to me was a, that was a really interesting revel, revelation in terms of knowing that someone is safe if they will let you tell your whole story without saying, well, have you thought about this? Yeah, but it wasn't that bad, but at this, but it, all of those interruptions and diversions that someone, or defenses that someone might put up. But if someone just lets you tell your story, they're probably safe. As propaganda said, don't get defensive. Mm-hmm. You need to find people who listen. And the third thing that Nate Allen said that struck me it's a really interesting thing about Christian education. You, a product of private Christian schools. And I got out okay. relatively unscathed. I want to underline that. Yes. I got out relatively unscathed. Sidebar, I was one of the lucky ones. He made a fascinating point. Paraphrasing a little bit, but everyone has terrible experiences, especially in middle school, junior high, or, and, and or high school. I mean, there are just bad experiences it's that we all have. It's just empirically terrible. It, junior high especially, I think, is the one for just about everyone, but uh, might be high school as well or parts of those. But we all have terrible experiences at school. Bad experiences with bad teacher, bad this, bad counselor. Mean kids. Mean kids. Uh, uh, the vice principal who doesn't understand or listen, whatever it is. In a public school setting, your takeaway is 
that person's bad, they're dumb, they're terrible at their job, or school is terrible. I hate I hate public school, I hate, I hate school, I hate learning, I hate whatever. When it's a religious school, you have that additional layer. That it's not just that corporate education is bad. Or that this ma- person Or is this bad. person is bad. This person who represents godly authority is bad. This Christian leader as a vice principal isn't listening to me. Everyone takes away bad experiences from their uh, uh, public school. But when you take away bad experiences from a religious school, there's an extra layer of hurt, an extra level, an extra category of damage that's been done. Mm -hmm. That was a fascinating concept. And as he, he sort of made this point, but I'm going to put a little bit more of a finer point on it, that as is the pattern with abusers, the worse that the person personally is, yeah. the more of a bad teacher, bad person, or just unenlightened, uninterested, lacking in empathy. Like, the more awful of an interaction that you have with a person in religious contexts the more likely they are to use their religious authority right. as the stick. Mm-hmm. That becomes a weapon right. in their hands. And it is so hard to separate out the weapon that they right. used from what it should have been. Right. It got real. It got really real. He is working on uh, releasing an album under... The name of Good Saint Nathaniel. And he's working on a book. And he's also working on a book. The title for which is not quite settled, but mm-hmm. might be Death by a Thousand Cuts. Mm-hmm. But if you go and check out his, like, mm-hmm. you know, his, his band information and personal you know, page and Facebook and all that stuff where he has his projects, you'll be able to find it once it is released. And he, he spoke repeatedly that he was in his fourth year of recovery mm-hmm. and that this book was sort of maybe like a fifth year goal mm-hmm. that he'd right. like, he'd gotten to the point last year, he had made all of these notes and taken them with him to therapy. And then this year he was able to talk about those notes. Right. And then after talking about it, maybe next year or the year after be able to write it uh, out, he'll be able to write it all out and publish it, it yeah. and perform it. Uh, I also do love any musical project or collection or, or, collective Mm -hmm. and uh, form of expression comes with a trigger warning on the front (laughs) and good Saint Nathaniel definitely does. Okay, well that got a little intense and that was pretty much the last thing that we did. We didn't stay in the evening. There wasn't much Saturday evening for us. Again, we didn't know any of the bands and, you know, middle of the day on Friday you'll discover some places. It had been three, you know, we'd get in the end of three and a half days and we, we had were ready an early to, morning the next day. We were and, ready to, yeah. to get back into our things. But did want to mention one thing that you mentioned, and that is some of the awesome band names. So I've got a list of five great band names that we haven't mentioned yet, which is tough because we've mentioned the Jericho Harlot and some of these other awesome names. A couple awesome band names. Many of these are from the goth tent or the metal tent. Yep. But not all. Okay, most. <laughs> We've got Joshua Powell and the Great Train Robbery. And as we said when we saw Insomniac Folklore's full set, ah, we found the train robbers. <laughs> exactly. I assume that's a folky sort of band. It sounds like it. Who knows? 
So Josh Rapal and the Great Train Robbery. Then one of my favorite words in theology, exegesis, because it sounds like it has the name of the Lord in it. Does but not. But it really doesn't. It's a Latin word that what means to like you know, to dig into a text, to study, to learn has that implications. Uh, if you're doing a, a study of Bible or other manuscript, you are performing an exegesis of it. You know the book of Ecclesiastes? There's a band called Ecclesiast. I think that one's pretty cool. This one we saw flyers of. We have to talk about flyers just for a second. October Bird of Death. Baller. I am so sad that we missed them. But their start time was 10.45 p.m. Not going to happen, October Bird of Death. We had class in the morning. And then just a great metal name for a metal band, Taking the Head of Goliath. Here's a, a couple more to take with you and uh, think on and uh, at the end of the episode. How about Deny the Fallen, Seal the Abyss, Get in the Ark, both the bands Death Therapy and Dark Valentine, Broken Flesh, Dagon. That's, that's actually pretty epic. And we did mention the Tolkien versus Lewis. And There's finally, a band called Silent Planet. And another one called Pelinor Fields. So, of course there was. I think at the end of the day, we had a pretty even split on, <laughs> I, think, I think the Inklings each got sort of roughly equal points. <laughs> that was awesome. Speaking of flyers, uh, we got lots of cool flyers from people randomly walking up to us. We randomly walked up to people with our flyers. This goes back to the Cornerstone days and then into the into the audio fee days, and that's one of the ways that bands promote themselves is, you know, half-page flyers. Taped to the porta potty Taped to the porta potties and any other posts that are available, the vending machines, etc. So we made Darkness to Light flyers and spread them out. And uh, we got what? We had like an all-time record day of downloads. So at least a couple people picked up the flyers and had their smartphones with them. So. And one of those people was Margie. From the Imaginopolis, who we talked to a little bit after the first lecture, they went to just go like, this is amazing. Like, you guys are always great, but like, this one is particularly awesome. Can we like talk about stuff and things? And, and I had a stack of our flyers. Would it be okay and, if we uh, left a couple of these? We sort of started talking a little bit about, you know, stuff and things. And I said, I actually, we have a podcast, actually. Um, I've got some flyers. Can I leave them here? And I took the stack out and she saw it and went, oh, I saw your flyer on the vending machine. I read it and thought, why aren't we best friends? And I was like, awesome. I was also, here's the other great thing about going to a metal and punk infused mm-hmm. festival is that you can wear your vest upon which you can put all you of got your pins, fully, you got fully your pinned pins and, and patches, which is essentially yep. your resume. <laughs> so I got, I got a, um, an awesome patch from Two Minute Minor mm-hmm. that said, make the scene free from homophobia, sexism, right. and, and racism. racism. So I was like, heck yes. So I had that like right on the front. I had lots of people walking by just going like, nice. And I was like, hey, my people, good to see you. And I also had my Hufflepuff pin. And so <laughs> she kind of did a quick glance and went, oh, Hufflepuff, Mar in the mainsail, smash bigotry. We should be friends. Oh, this is my podcast. <gasps> we should be friends. Unfortunately, 
This did mean that as soon as I handed her a flyer, she went, Hey, do you guys want to speak? No, no, <laughs> no, not, no. Not this year. No, no, we don't. no, 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 we don't. no but, uh, you know, but, see you know, maybe, in a couple years. <laughs> maybe that means in like eight, nine months when they start sort of brainstorming mm, the next session, we should try we and, put we in should like, try and find a way to How about the heroes? We yeah, get something with heroes or, uh, be like, hey, let's talk about the modern mythology. We, stuff. We, we have content. We have so much content, you guys. Whew. It was awesome. Was it was good, like good five crazy days of Ooh. travel and music and brain, and it was fantastic. Yes. Now, check out the blog in the days that follow the release of this episode, and, and we'll... And go back a while on the Tumblr, because mm, I was live mm-hmm. blogging the entire time that we were true. at the festival, so... Look for um, uh, July 4th through 7th, and see some of the things that, that M put up there. Yeah, there's lots of good uh, pictures that I took of bands and cool flyers and art, um, and... How about the chalk art that the guy did in the sanctuary? Uh, that's the other great thing. That's the other way you promote yourself is with the chalk art. Anyway. Oh. So check out the blog and we'll post some of our pictures, videos from many of the bands that we've mentioned. And the blog post for this episode will have links for a bunch of those bands and the organizations and things that we mentioned. Uh, all of that will be out there. Uh, if you have not followed on Twitter, the Dorkness to Light Twitter that we now have. We've got it. Follow that. We will post out a lot of this information as well. And, and again, a good move on your part. Flyers and a Twitter. Just before we went. That right made before us we legit. got. So made then they could, legit. people could look us up. and We, could, like, follow, okay. we could follow bands. And they could follow us back. Etc. Etc. Wonderful. Let's maybe think about doing that again in a couple years. I like it. But until then... May the Force be with you. And also with you. While you're waiting for the next podcast episode, check out our websites. DorknessToLight.blogspot.com contains reviews, essays, and other similar ramblings. And DorknessToLight.tumblr.com, which contains some of that material, as well as top tens, cool photographs, memes, and religious puns. We also run a general interest comic book podcast network, Relatively Geeky. That content can be found at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes for Relatively Geeky. Let us know what you think of this topic, this episode, or this podcast in general. Feel free to send your thoughts to us at dorknesstolight at gmail.com. We would also appreciate any ratings or reviews left for the podcast in the iTunes store to help like-minded people find us. Our intro, outro, and promo music is by Anderson Kale. Check them out at andersonkale.com or search iTunes to purchase their music. Thanks for listening.